farm and ranch and very, total different world than probably you would think of California. Moved in there, my dad and mom put me in a Christian school, went out for the basketball team, and this guy was coaching it. Uh, that was my first introduction to a coach who actually cared about my soul, uh, whether my scoring average. <laughs> yeah, well, it was easier to care about your soul because your basketball playing wasn't all that good. <laughs> I did. I walked into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, he was very good. <laughs> uh, so that was where we first met. Um, of course, Mark, your oldest son, was a year behind me, but I played ball with him that year. And Jet, we played baseball together. We yeah. played a lot of sports together. You coached a lot of that. And you just had such a care for people. I, I didn't have that in my family. I didn't have that in my church where people were really genuinely wanting to shepherd me to be involved in my life. Yeah. And I picked up that right away, Jerry. Yeah. There, there was a difference in how you went. Yeah. It's, I, I got to tell you that it's been easy for me, I, I think partly in the family I was raised in, and um, because they loved people. And it was pretty easy for me to love people or want to love people. Um, <clears throat> let, me, let me interject something. I'm just thinking about it. Uh, my wife would love to be here, and uh, she uh, has a, uh, a light sensitivity uh, issue that uh, keeps her from being comfortable to travel and sit under artificial light. Outside light's fine, but inside light is difficult, and so we kind of deal with that. But um, I don't know, but she told me she was going to get up this morning, that's East Coast. Camera, camera oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, honey. Uh, and watch the podcast. So there's a shout out to Patty, uh, my uh, lovely wife of half a century and more. I, you know, that's what you say when you can't remember how long you've been married. <laughs> so I'm 19 years old. I come back from, I took an athletic scholarship. I should have went to Bible college, but tried, yeah. to, do, tried to serve the Lord my way. Uh, broken ankles and knees, came back. Went to Bible school, uh, September, boy, it's 35 years ago, whatever year that was. I, 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 outside of just the Spirit of God pushing me, yeah. I picked up the phone and called your number and said, Jerry, I don't know where you go and what you do on Sundays, but can I come with you? Yeah. I'll never forget that because I was so down. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to see people get saved. And I didn't, ha I didn't know how to do it. So I called you and that, that started that relationship. Yeah, we had a, a, always been in rather rural ministries, and, and uh, part of that rural ministry was, was starting uh, like a Bible study um, or in a community or something like that. But oftentimes it is trying to rejuvenate a, a little work, a little church out there that's kind of fallen on hard times. And um, so that's what we were doing uh, at that time. And uh, I picked up Scott, and we took off. Yeah. And I was. Somebody said, "Did you? Uh, how do you know if somebody has the qualities to, to uh, eventually minister?" I didn't. I don't. Um, I just saw a young man that wanted to serve the Lord, and as far as I'm concerned, he was breathing and he wanted to serve the Lord. That's good enough for me. <laughs> So, 
let's talk rural ministries because um, that has been a passion of yours. I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, but always had that cowboy side of me in me. And But here you are, you were raised on a ranch, your dad ran cows and hayed, your mom was a one-room school teacher. Um, I mean, I don't think people understand how rural California can be. Um, and yeah. it, so let's start back there, walk us through that, and then how ministry began to develop for you in the rural areas. Yeah. I was raised in a, a little community called Palisadro. <clears throat> it, it's easier to think in California if you thought of Southern Oregon or Nevada. Uh, it, Northern California fits with Southern Oregon and Nevada better than it does the rest of California. But I was raised in a community uh, where there was uh, the only gospel outreach was a Sunday school. And uh, normally they would attend, there would be, oh well, it would depend on what time of year it was. Uh, sometimes there would be 10 and sometimes there would be 30. Uh, my mom, uh, because there was no male leadership around, she was kind of organizing it and running it. And uh, so that's where I grew up. That's what I grew up in. Uh, that's where I trusted Christ as my Savior uh, at about seven to eight years old. And um, <clears throat> that, those kinds of things have always been part of my life. So I, to speak to go cross-culturally, I, I really didn't. I just uh, stayed in my own uh, kind of culture and uh, took advantage of of what I did know about that culture and uh, tried to minister in these little rural areas. So, so American Sunday School Union was yes. the name of the mission you were yep. with back then, then became American Missionary Perfect. Fellowship when I joined it with yep. you, and then now it's called In Faith. Right. But they focus on the rural areas and inner city, both areas. There's not a lot of people in the, in the rural, and, there's, and the people don't have money. Right. either rural right. or inner city. Right. So it takes a missionary, it takes someone to go in there. Yes. So you introduced me to all of that, to go to a little church out in the middle of nowhere or a community hall, or yeah. we met in schools, gyms, yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff through the years, starting little works out there. Yeah. Um, that, that was just innate to you. Yeah, that's, I was comfortable with that. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, it is interesting, uh, all the rural areas aren't the same. <laughs> there are some that are very uh, ranching, cowboy-oriented. Um, some are more logging. Uh, some you get into are, are uh, people escaping uh, from the cities. And so they're... And the law. And the law. <laughs> That's true. And there's, so there's the retired, but there's also um, the, the drug culture that that's out there trying to hide. <clears throat> Back in those days, it tried to hide. It doesn't do that so much anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so that puts a different flavor in, in all kinds of different communities. Um, very rarely do you... My first real experience of pastoring, though, was in that Sunday school I grew up in. And right. um, I ended up pastoring that little church. And... It happened to be in a community that was growing, and because of people moving in and it was growing, it grew, and I, I believe because we also preach the Word of God, but uh, you can preach the Word of God in some of these communities, and your, and your growth is going to be the two new people that moved in, 
you know. But there, it turned into a, a, a church. We built a facility and, and developed an elder board, and then I went back out into other smaller. So areas. that ministry is still running. Tell them the name of that church. Yeah. That, that's Cow Creek Community Church. So, um, yeah. Gina and I actually, I did the youth pastoring there for a couple of years. You <laughs> sent me in there, then then back out with you, yeah. you know, during all those years of growing up with you and, and the word. But that church still functioning to this day. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, Jerry planted a very successful church there. But his heart was turned right back to those rural areas. And that's where I caught up with you yeah. after you established Cow Creek Church and then yeah. went on. Yeah, so that's true. Um, why, let's talk just a little farther about why rural ministries is hard. Um, yeah. Lack of men, uh, lack of, yeah. I think, heritage in a lot of places. And yeah, sometimes, um, <clears throat> well, the one we were in in, in yeah. Port Bilbao area, uh, the church was established by mostly Masons, I think. Yeah. And, uh, but you had to have a, you're going to have a community, you've got to have a church. And so... Uh, you get you get in there a while and you think, oh, look at this nice little church. I bet that, you know, and then you kind of find out that this is a nice little church, but <clears throat> they don't know much about the gospel. And uh, so it, it you kind of kind of feel your way in and, and see what's there and and see if you can work with what's there. Yeah. Or in like at Oak Run, we yeah. tried to work with what was there and that didn't work. And so... Uh, we started another, in the school, we started another little church. And, and oftentimes those ministries outgrew some of the ones that were there because church was more community in a lot of it. You know, you got there and talked about a community things. There was yeah. just no gospel. There yeah. was no, yeah, nothing, not everybody much. was good and we're all going to get there somehow. And yeah. here we come along preaching the gospel. Yeah. So we were, and yet we're trying to get into the community. We're trying to love people yeah. and get in there. And it's a, it's a difficult dynamic. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, it's relationship building is this is the way I see it. You you have to uh, do things that uh, and be there uh, over a period of time, and also be there when they're hurting. Uh, the first funeral I ever did uh, was a 19-year-old young man that had gone off to college, and he had uh, three sisters at home, and his parents, and he drowned off out of off to college. It was awful. I was a young man and, and um, young in the pastorate, and it was a difficult, difficult. It was so difficult for me as nervous. I had hiccups for <laughs> uh, seven, uh, six or seven days ahead of time that I couldn't get rid of. Went yeah. to a doctor, and he tried to get rid of them, and we had everybody praying because that would be a little embarrassing trying to do a funeral with the hiccups. And... Um, but anyway, the Lord took care of that. But after that service, a fellow came up to me and said, I want to talk with you. And we went out on the pasture and sat down, and I, I led him to Christ mm. from, that, mm. from that. So you, you, just, you just don't know uh, what it is. But, but funerals and, and um, those kind of community things are... The first funeral I did with you, so this is all pre-me, but just shortly after we had got together, um, you did a funeral of a baby. Someone's baby had died. Yeah. And I don't even remember this, but I was there, and I watched how you handled that. God just gave you the ability to draw all of those people in 
and love on all of them and in a very difficult time. When a baby dies in a small community, mm. everybody knows. Oh, and, yeah. and I remember watching you and saying, God, I want to love people like that. I want to pastor people in that way when they're hurting, be there for them. And, and uh, I just learned so many little lessons and in, in those areas. Those were hard times. I watched you. You, you, kept, your, you, you kept yourself together. The hiccup thing yeah. was gone by then. But yeah. uh, you, you just so much loved them. And I hadn't had come from that. I had yeah. come from pretty hard, you know, there's a theology and, you know, yeah. beat you over the head with it sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and here you are, the shepherd that was in people's lives. And um, it's very, it really molded me at that point. You know, Scott, that makes me think. I, um, and I don't think it makes any difference in rural ministries or whatever ministry, but if, if we go into a situation because we're a pastor or a preacher or, or whatever and think that somehow we're better than the people in the community, yeah, and I don't care how bad a sinners they are, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we're all saved by grace. And if, if we somehow give the impression that, that we walk and talk and act and on a little higher plane, uh, you, you just don't, that's not there. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you, it's pretty easy if a baby dies or a, like this young 19-year-old man dies, I mean, to be heartbroken with him. I mean, it's just, it's a heartbreaking. Mm. And, uh, and generally speaking, in my experience, that's not the time when you preach hellfire and damnation, mm. you know. Uh, yeah. You love and you, you encourage and you, you talk about eternity and you talk about the Savior, but, mm. but you, you better be careful. Let, let's take that and transition to an, uh, another thought I really want to kind of talk through with, with our folks here. Um, we had Tom Rukla here from Finland. He's a, a very, very difficult ministry, 40 years yeah. in a very cold climate with a very cold people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the only way that he really began to have inroads over time was just street witnessing and those things. And very, he did a very good job at that. He's very good at those things. Um, but I, I want to help us understand that there are lots of different, there's times for meeting someone in the parking lot and sharing the gospel yeah. because God opens up a conversation and you can share the gospel right there at that point. But I think what I learned from you, and, and maybe this is a phrase that we can kick around here a little bit, is um, loving people to Christ. Um, I, I watched you do that over and over and over, and that was not something that was natural to me. But you loved people to Christ. And, and the story I always tell, I think they may have heard this, but when I first started with you, I was in Bible school. So, you know, I'm learning the doctrines of grace. You know, I, I'm, I got all this knowledge, right? You know, I should be teaching. I'm 19. I shouldn't be anywhere near the pulpit. <laughs> um, that's but, that's what I so Jerry, Jerry knows all this. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, Scott, I got a super important job for you. And you said, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to take over the adult Sunday school class or something, you know. And uh, he says, I got these bulletins. You need to get them in everybody's hands. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to make them feel welcomed here. Well, I, I mean, at first I was like, you want to do that? I mean, you know, come on, I'm in Bible school, you know. Just a selfish and prideful young man. And, and, um, and yet, um, I, I, we talked about the story this week that when Merrill came in, who later did die of cancer, he, yeah. I, I said, you know, hi, Merrill, here's a bulletin, how you doing? 
<laughs> I really didn't care about you his soul. You got it out. Yeah, you and got he, it out. And he told me, he said, I have cancer and I'm dying. And I, I remember that point going, you don't care about his soul. And he just told you something very personal. And I began to be convicted. And that's where that change started to happen because I'd watch you. Yeah. You would go and weep with them. You would put your arm around them and say, hey, we're going to walk through this together. And you just had that ability to do that. I didn't. And so I watched you learn to love people to Christ in a sense, in a different type of evangelism, same gospel, yeah. Yeah. same message, but you got into their lives in a way. Yeah, over the, there's a couple things, and somebody asked me, I think yesterday, when we're talking to the missions about um, what are maybe some of the keys uh, to reaching out to people. I think the first one is be there, <laughs> and, and you're, all, you're all somewhere. And we can all be there uh, for somebody. And that's what I mean by being there. Uh, being there, looking at them and trying to figure out where they are, what they're, how they're hurting, what, what's going on. There's something behind all that. Uh, I don't care how, how many cows uh, the, the man owns and how many acres he runs them on. Back there somewhere, there's a gnawing that says, he needs to submit his life to God. Mm. And uh, so if you can come alongside of him and, and uh, be open enough and not fake, hey, the ranching community, <laughs> the ranching community is, they're, they're the best at spotting fake. My dad didn't come to Christ until he was in his 60s. And... Uh, <clears throat> He could give you a rundown on the different preachers and, <laughs> and the different people that he had known that didn't quite live what they were talking about. Mm. And uh, so I think that built a lot into me, too, as far as the yeah. sensitivity. Don't, don't, don't try not to say something that you're not. And, uh, but just, yeah, come alongside people. And, but some of them are just really independent. And I don't know. I can you, you know it, yeah. I know it, we know our theology, we can't get them saved. Yeah. All we can do is uh, yeah. share our lives with them, and if they allow us to, share Christ. You, when we moved to Fort Bidwell, um, there's a few things I was still learning. I drove my wife to Fort Bidwell in the middle of the night in a snowstorm, and then put her in that little hotel that was freezing, and uh, that was how I introduced her to where we were going on missions. <laughs> So, See, when you're talking about a hotel, you're not, no, no, no you're not talking about, you're talking about something about the size of this stage here. <laughs> Built in the 1800s. <laughs> it was a little different, but I've, I've learned, have I gotten better, dear? No. Yeah. <laughs> she cried that whole night, we're going here. Um, but we did get settled in there. We believe God had called us there. We were doing a ranch boarding school and eventually church plant and all that. And, and the church plant went and God had different plans for the school. Yeah, and yeah. A whole other story. But I remember getting there and you said, Scott, go get some day work. Get, get, take your horses, go get to know these these ranchers and start riding for them because yeah. they weren't going to walk in your door and say, "Hey, no. tell me the gospel." Yeah, they, no. they weren't going to do that, you yeah. know. And so you sent me out, and and yeah. that was one of the things I started doing was riding with those guys. You know that you got you got to bear with me just a, just a moment because I brought a I brought a gift for Scott, and uh -oh. I I didn't tell him about this gift that I brought for him, but I, I brought him a gift. I've been, I've been working on this gift. Now, I hope it comes off okay, and uh, if it doesn't, well, you can just kind of boo and holler and whatever, but <laughs> it, it, it kind of goes like this. 
Well, the cattle have all been gathered off the winter range because the desert grass is short and cattle are looking for a change. As we drive them to the mountains where they'll spend the summer through, there's kind of a feeling of excitement that's livened up the crew. With our toughest job remaining, we look forward to the chore because the trademark of a cowboy is branding time once more. As we take those restless cattle and we move them on into the holding pen and close the gate behind them, you, you can't help but wear a grin. The Brandon irons are resting on the fire's golden glow, and from those glowing embers, countless memories seem to flow. For it's been a great tradition from the early days of yore, and a cowboy's in his glory when it's Brandon time once more. Well, there must be two dozen ropers, because the neighbors are all here, and the chuck is always special. It's a favorite time of year. But there'll be no roping for this cowboy. I'll be working on the ground and the blood and the dust and the smoke until the final calf is down. These clothes change the color from the clean ones out of war, and you could, even a stranger, know it's Brandon time once more. Well, the cowboys drag the calves in at what seems like a fevered pace until someone on the ground crew hollers, hey, this ain't a race. So we mark and brand for hours at a pace that we can hold and we keep the fires burning so the branding irons won't grow cold. You notice those cowboys are not as lively as they was before, but there's no time for resting because it's branding time once more. As the last calf finds its mother and we take one more look around, this day will soon be over. There's not a long-eared calf to be found. 500 head we branded, and now there's nothing left to do but turn them out on summer range, open the gate, we're through. Oh, you're glad it's over because your body's tired and sore, but in your heart you just can't wait till it's branding time once more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought you liked that. I did. <laughs> wow. Who wrote that? That poem was written for my dad's 80th birthday by a cowboy poet, oh. Jim Ross, and he, yeah, he, he recited that. it at my dad's 80th birthday. Oh, and wow. uh, it's been hanging around, and I, I got to go. And, you know, it's kind of the, the reason I really started to learn it wasn't for Scott at all, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, to, just to relate. You know, I thought, you know, that's a good poem. And if I could, if I, I could get that to memory, and I was in a group sometime, and, and we were horsing around and doing things, yeah. I'd, I'd throw that poem on them, and they'd yeah. go, well, you must be a cowboy. Well, I'd know, but I'd <laughs> learn the poem. <laughs> well, very but, clear depiction of what we did. Yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. very clear. Yeah, very, exactly. very that's clear. And culturally, it, you know, it is true that yeah. you kind of have to get in to the skin and the, in the culture of whatever you're doing. So anyway, I'd try yeah. to throw that in um, you, you and I have some dear friends in the valley, a lot of dear friends in that valley where we still have a thriving church. Ryan's done such a good yeah. job. The uh, young man who followed me yeah. after our pastorate there is still there now 13 years later, more than that, at 16 mm -hmm. or something like that. He's doing a great job. But just in case in point, as we're talking about loving people to Christ, somebody that hasn't been one yet, but you've had this passion for a family there, that, and you can pray for them. They're called the Hapgoods. They have the Hapgood Ranch, generational ranch. Mm -hmm. Jerry has poured his life into this family, and we think God's going to save them one of these yeah, days. Yeah, we do. We think they the are. The matriarch's 96. Yeah, and still and st working. Still feeds, feeds your cattle. 
drives a tractor, feeds her cattle. In fact, she has to open these wire gates to get down there, not swinging good gates, but wire gates. I, and her daughter is 60-something years old. And, and I told her daughter, Bonnie, one day, I said, Bonnie, she's in this tractor and she's going down there to open these wire gates. I said, the least you could do is hang those gates, a good gate that would even swing open, that you could push a button and the tractor. Bonnie said, look it. If she gets so feeble that she can't get out and open a wire gate, she shouldn't be going down there feeding those cows. <laughs> I, I, shared the gospel, I shared the gospel with them one day, and it wasn't me sitting them down and sharing the gospel, and I can't quite give you all the circumstances for it, but uh, it was over the transgender f oh, fellow yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah. lives there, and they came in and started asking me questions mm. about that and how's it, it how sinful that was yeah and uh and i agreed with them <laughs> made some um country remarks about it that might not have been appropriate but for them they were appropriate and uh but then i went from there to saying you know really all sin before the lord even our pride whoa yeah there even our pride um, is going to keep us out of heaven. That's, that's, that's not gonna, we're not going to be able to have a relationship with Christ because he died for those sins, and, and those sins aren't the, any little sin will keep you from getting there. And so I had a chance to, I, 25 minutes, yeah. I laid out the gospel from start to finish, and they all, they all just sat there. Keep praying for them. Yeah, and, and, you, and you see the role, like, so the funeral, you walk into the pasture, guy receives Christ, you know, you go, wow, that was easy. Um, yeah. Now you're 20 years in it with Hapgoods, or, yeah, yeah, uh, at least. And, and then, and then Jerry and I had a, a very, very difficult rancher who was kind of neighbors with us. I mean, he's the kind of guy, if you say, well, isn't that a blue sky, beautiful blue sky, he goes, oh, it's gray, you know, and he just, you could never agree with this guy, yeah. and you were scared to death of him. He yeah, was just he was mean. little, little ornery. Uh, and he always had dogs that would bite your head off if, if they thought you were going to do anything, and so he's very difficult. I never even wanted to share the gospel <laughs> with him. No. I was scared of him. <laughs> and I wrote True confession time. <laughs> yeah. So, Ryan, we're sitting at Ryan's table during our... That's during, the guy that's pastor now. Yeah, he's pastor in the, our, the Lake City Bible Church, which was Gina and I's first, my first pastor, and Gina and the boys with me. Um, and uh, we're sitting at the table and having lunch at, when we went, went to California over Christmas, um, and he goes, hey, did you hear? <laughs> the last person, if you would have asked me, who yeah. came to faith in that valley was Jim Fee. Yeah. And he goes, he loves Christ. Yeah. He tells everybody... He, he come to the bottom of his life. He lost yeah. a lot of things, yeah. but um, amazing. And he's never misses church. He's sharing the gospel with people. And I looked at Ryan. I go, if my mouth's on the ground, <laughs> could you take your boot and push it up? Because, yeah. And that was years of relationship. <clears throat> I had a relationship with Tom, his son. Yeah. Um, but Jim, I could never get close to. Yeah. And yet God saved him. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It really is being there and loving people, and sometimes. They're at a distance, but they know you're. They know you're faithful, yeah. and they know you love your wife, yes. and they know you love your children, yeah. and you know, you know, they, you know, you're paying your bills and all those kinds of things, and and uh, and then you, you get a chance, and that's Ryan's been so faithful there since you left, yeah. and finally they're, you yeah. know, they're coming to him. 
And, and, and let's make this into, you know, make sure we're not just rural ministry. This is for all of us. Yeah. I mean, how many people have relationships with your neighbors or the clerk at the grocery store, whatever? Being faithful, being found faithful. Yeah. And it is God that saves. Our theology teaches that he yeah. knows people from the foundation yeah. of the world. He draws yeah. them to it. We know that, believe that, actually worship at that fact. But yet, at the same time, we are given this job to be faithful. And I think, Jerry, I've learned that from you. Uh, it's just such a great lesson that I always go back to stay in their lives, stay in their lives. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> quite honestly, Scott, it's like fishing. You, when you catch a big fish or you catch a small fish and you tell the story 10 years later how big the fish is, <laughs> that's a little bit what Scott talks about me. I, sometimes I don't even recognize who he's talking about. <laughs> But and, and, because we're not all faithful all the time, yeah. we, we pass up opportunities. We, yeah. we, we, we are, in fact, in, next, uh, in the next hour, I'm going to share with you some of my experiences in my, in my own life. Uh, you can grow cold and you, you miss opportunities. And so that's why we can gather. That's the beauty of a church. You can gather and encourage one another and hear teaching and be held accountable and, and have somebody put their arm around you and say, I know you're struggling, come on. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Let's, let, let, because they need to hear your dad's salvation because oh. your, your dad was a hardcore rancher. He yeah. was a very kind, he was loving, but oh, he, he, he'd, call, he'd call an ace of spade. Yeah. I mean, he was good at all that. But, yeah. I mean, he was one of the toughest men I'd ever met. Yeah. And, um, so you, and your mom was such a faithful wife yeah. and loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So you should share that. Yeah, right? she ended up, yeah. Um, <laughs> Married my dad, and that probably wasn't being obedient at, her, at that stage in her life. But uh, later she got back on track with the Lord, and and um, and. But I was raised. The brother and I were raised in a home where our, our dad wasn't saved. A wonderful guy. I mean, just we hunted and we fished, and he loved us, and he loved mom, and there was never any doubt. I mean, I grew up in a home where, you know, you were loved and you were encouraged. But he wasn't going to submit to the Lord. And uh, the church was kind of going, the Cow Creek Church that we had planted. I was gone then, and there was another pastor in there. And um, uh, my mom called me up one day and said, uh, you think it'd be all right if uh, your dad got baptized at the baptism this afternoon? And I just, I just, I'm going, what? And uh, <laughs> she said, well, he didn't go to the classes, the baptismal classes ahead of time. And, and he didn't tell me he wanted to be baptized, but he told me this morning he wanted to be baptized. And I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're still Does he need them. to go to a class? I tell you, of all the men I know, he didn't need to go to a class. <laughs> because if he said he wanted to be baptized, that was going to, I don't know, parting the Red Sea would have been easier. And so later he shared. I said, Dad. When did you come to know Christ? Well, I was driving. I was mowing the bottom meadow on a tractor. And he said, I just, I don't know. He said, I just put it, I kicked it neutral, put it out of gear, put my head down on the steering wheel, and cried out to God to save me. And uh, he knew the gospel. It, it It wasn't that he didn't know the gospel. God just hadn't brought him to himself yet. And, uh, whoa, what a day. What a, what a day that was. That was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, lots of years of faithfulness in front of him, but also we're sinners, and I love, I love yeah. that. You're going to talk about that more in message. I don't want to take that yeah. uh, away. Um, so uh, let's wrap things up here, and then we'll take a break. Um, uh, how can we encourage us, all of us in this room, uh, just to be faithful witness to people? Um, is, that, is that marriage? Is that parenting? Is that how we pay our bills? I mean, what does that include? Because I think sometimes, well, I shared the gospel with them, but yet we lived a wreck life in front of them. Uh, you know? yeah. So what, what does it take to be a faithful witness? Are there, does, are there other areas? We know in the ranching community, they'd look right through that stuff. Yeah, I, I got to tell you one little story. It was down at Perverta where you ended up later. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy down there struggling in the ministry and the people above him in the mission said, you need to go down there and encourage him, see what's the matter. <clears throat> and I went down there and I went in their living room and while I was sitting in the living room trying to talk to him about how things were going, his kid kicked me in the shins twice. Uh, <laughs> was all over the place wouldn't I mean just I couldn't even talk to the guy about anything because his kid was a brat and and I, I thought no stop you know it isn't gonna work here you you can get up there and preach all you want and that kid goes over and kicks your friend in the shins and it, it is a, it isn't gonna work and um, so and it didn't and um, but, yeah, it's our life, and, and, and that doesn't mean to be perfect. You know, one of the things I think people think about in ministry is you sit up here and you look at somebody. I had to put a coat on today for this. Um, <laughs> you, 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 you look at people in ministry and you think, oh, yeah, they really got it together. He, Scott talks about him. I'll tell you what. You walk around with me or talk to my wife and my children and whatnot, and, you, and you're going to find out I'm... I'm probably not quite as spiritual as you are. So it's not that. It, it is just the willingness to pour your life into somebody else. That, that, that's what it is. Just, you know, it's the neighbor, it's whomever, but it is kind of keeping the home front kind of cleaned up so it's, so it's not a hindrance to the ministry. Yeah, and, I, and the gospel must affect that. I mean, we can, yeah. we can make the kids sit straight. I grew up in a home, you know, yeah. seven rows, five children, six later, um, but you didn't scratch. <laughs> I mean, because dad would give you the old evil eye. You all know this when you're in church and mom and dad look at you, you're like, I'm dead. Wherever we're going afterwards, I'm not going. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and... Chick-fil-A, so, no. No, yeah. Chick-fil-A for you. Well, they're closed on Sunday. but Oh, yeah, no. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> West Coaster. Um, anyway, uh, so there's a difference in that, and I think that's what I got around you, and I began to yeah. realize that you loved your children, and I know you're not perfect. I've not seen you sin, but I think you have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know your boys, man. I play ball with them, and yeah. I, watched, I, I watched how you parented and how you were involved in their lives and you wanted them to love the Lord. You weren't a perfect dad, you weren't a perfect husband, but you wanted your family to love the Lord. Yeah. And I think that's the difference because it starts to impact our lives. Then the neighbor comes over when granny dies and guess who they want yeah. part of that or help or, or whatever the case may be because your kids didn't kick them in the shins. Yeah. They actually went yeah. over and raked their leaves or yeah. Yeah. did, did exactly. different things. So. Yeah. You did that so well, and I mean, I don't remember. I was like camped out of your house for the first five years. I, cause I, I could not get enough of you and Patty. Yeah. Um, yeah and it was such a joy. Her. She's a good cook. Yeah, she is a good cook. <laughs> you know, uh, one, I think one question to ask yourself if you, if you want to uh, reach people for Christ, 
is who do I know that they would, they would call me if they needed prayer? And you, and you know that in your own lives. Yeah. You, you got friends that said, you know, they don't come to church or anything else, but all of a sudden they say, uh, I got the big C, and uh, could you pray for me? And uh, so, so that's a kind of a, that's, that's, that's kind of a road sign. Yeah. If some, who, who would call you up and ask for your prayer? And then you can move from there. But yeah, I think, that, I think that's good. Brian Sheely and I were just talking um, the other day and, and they were, had to transfer into house. And, and I think they might even be here, his rental agency, he just, you know, he just went in and welcomed them and said, hi, and here's how we're gonna take care of your rental. And, and next thing that strikes up a conversation and, and they see how they conduct themselves and then they start coming yeah. to church and they're here even. Yeah. And that, there's just those everyday opportunities to live yeah. for the Lord Jesus Christ and yeah. not get carried away. I think that's our biggest problem. We, we get so, because something didn't go the way we want it that day. Yeah. And now we're not available to what the Lord wants us to do. Well, that's true. It's Flexible. a tough one. You know, and I, I got to say this for Scott, you've been bragging on me, but what, one of the things that we, we watch as our, as our Timothys grow up and get married, and, and I got to say this because really I love Gina. I put up with Scott. So... <laughs> It all comes out. So, so that's really where that all comes from. But uh, them raising their children, uh, you know, they're raising godly boys. And just about got them raised, you know. <laughs> yeah, just about done. <laughs> and, uh, but that's such a testimony. That's so important. And, uh, and it's not always going to turn out um, every every child and you're gonna everything's gonna turn out just the way you want it uh i ha i have one son that his wife walked out on him and we never ever thought there'd be a divorce in our family never thought that just that just didn't even enter our head and that's what he said to me he said dad did you ever think that we'd ever have a divorce in our family and it's me i said no it never entered my head but you know sometimes sin and its consequences wreck things. Well, that's no reason to give up on somebody or some people or just because their life hasn't been quite as smooth as yours. Yeah. And uh, so we yeah. Yeah. love each other. Yeah. So live in the gospel. Yeah. And in the, the battle to do that, dying to self daily, I think that's the hard thing because... We, we just get so frustrated when things don't go our way. I wrestled yeah. with that for so long yeah. because that was the example in front of me. That was my own flesh. Yeah. And, and learning to kind of live that daily gospel out. And, and then, I, we got to end with this, but you said, would they come to you if they needed prayer? Did you hear that? Yeah. Do you have anybody who would come to you if they need prayer that's not in the church? that you've been ministering with, because one, do they know you pray? <laughs> or that they know or have they, a connection. Or have a connection. Yeah, have a connection up there. Yeah, so are, are you in a relationships with people that they would come if there's a great need? Um, and it's, it's really gospel living. And, and I love Missions Month because it refocuses us sometimes because we get, we get going in life and we're running the business and we're raising kids and we're doing all of that, but... Really, God set us here to be ambassadors yeah. of the greatest message of, of all time. Yeah. Uh, and yet we can get so lost in yeah. that. We lose our priorities.
Yeah, well, Jerry, what a blessing to have you here. Um, Thank you. I, I miss you, and, uh, but so many things you taught me um, come out in my life with Gina and the boys in the pulpit, um, in the ministry here, and uh, I'm very grateful. I want to say that publicly for, for what you did in my life and that you didn't run me off, <laughs> sick the dogs on me. <laughs> you, you know, there's some things in ministry where you just kind of, you know, you struggle along and you, you got an income that's not the greatest. And it, believe me, it's sending churches that are so important. But, but then you get to be 76 years old and he calls you up and says, we'll fly you to Florida, let you speak. Well, I haven't been in a place this big since I don't know when. <laughs> uh, and, and then I take you to golf and then they keep taking me to these food places. I'm telling you, this, this Jesus business is getting better all the time. <laughs> well, I think it's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things that I think a privilege of a church that has been faithful to the word and that we get to honor some men every once in a while. And uh, I know, I, I would hope everybody in this room would be thankful to honor you, um, other men. We tried to bring in some older men this year. You really fit the category. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been in ministry since you could walk with your mom. We need to, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could go on all day. So many stories. Um, please take time to come up and greet Jerry. Um, I hope you have a card. Uh, there's a card on the, the stands when you come in and, the and they're handing out the bulletin. He's going to use that card at the end of the service. A very important little piece of paper we want you to have. So make sure you grab that. Um, uh, in, we only have about 500 of them, so share them. Uh, but adults and young people, student ministries and college age and so forth, grab those. So let me pray and we'll thank the Lord for this time. Father, your blessings just extend... Um, so far into our lives, Lord, we first and foremost praise you for salvation. Uh, we, we are at our best, filthy, uh, wretched men and women, boys and girls, who deserve nothing but your judgment. Uh, on our own, Lord, we would reject you all the way through eternity. And yet, God, you... You came and opened our eyes and illuminated us to this, your son's work, that finished, perfect work that, that we now know we can't add to, but we only rejoice in it. And then, Lord, you give us the blessing to be a part of what you're doing. You let us join you in this global effort to share the glory of Jesus Christ to, to all peoples. And you give us relationships, both in the church, across the country, around the world with men and women who love our Savior and, and we laugh together, we cry together, we keep each other accountable. You've given us that, Lord, as a blessing in our lives, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would continue to develop that here at Riverbend, that we would not run off and look for greener pastures, but, but love each other and keep each other accountable and work together to to the furtherance of the gospel here, Lord. And be ready, be a, be a someone who people know you love a Lord Jesus Christ. You love a God that you pray to and that they would approach you. That we would be approached by those around us to pray for them and opportunities to share the truth that we believe and hold so dearly, Lord. So Father, we don't want 
Missions Month just strictly to be a catch-up on mission ministries around the world. But we do want it, Lord, to be, uh, for us to be challenged. We would be on mission, Lord, in each and every opportunity you give us. So we thank you for Jerry. I, I particularly praise you, Lord, in front of some of the dearest people in my life that you put this man in my life, in Gina and I's life, so that we could be here one day. And so we thank you for that, Lord, that you have such foresight. You see all things. They're all before you, Lord. And we praise you, Lord. May this little interview and time together encourage us to walk with you in a greater way, Lord, in a more a way that brings you glory and gives us joy. And Lord, now as we transition into uh, our service, Lord, I pray you'd just uh, empower uh, Jerry as he preaches and and we would be attentive listeners, and we would be good doers, too. And we would hear and do, Lord. And so may you encourage our hearts today, Lord. Thank you for this time. Bless these folks for being here today. May it be an encouragement to them. We praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.